This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers, adult language, and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a podcast of Rare Antiquities, Episode 20. In today's show, we will discuss and analyze the 1977 cult movie, Kingdom of the Spiders, starring none other than who must be the poster boy for many forgotten cult films, William Shatner. I am your host, Harry. I am your co-host, Jeff. So, Jeff, before we get into the nitty-gritty here, episode 20, man, and it's been a long time since we have done this show. I think this is our longest break yet, but thoughts on getting to episode 20 and glad to be back? Yeah, man, I'm glad to be back and, you know, sort of a mini milestone here. Feels pretty good. Okay, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> nice and concise. I like it. Because <laughs> I don't like to waste words. Okay, that's good. And of course, we before we move on, let's have a quick talk about the main man here, the Shat himself. So when you think of William Shatner, the actor, I mean, what is literally the first thing that pops in your mind? Uh, okay, uh, it's got to be obvious. Star Trek is obviously the first thing that pops into my mind. Uh, what about you? <laughs> Of course, it has to be Star Trek. But beyond that, I use this as pure and utter joy is when I think about William Shatner. Because for me, on a personal level, no other actor in my lifetime has provided me with as much awe and amusement as William (laughs) Shatner has. I just love the dude, even though he's probably an ass in real life from what everybody says because of his ego. But for me, I can't think of anybody else because he's been around for so long and he's been such a part of my life mainly because of Star Trek, but I've seen a lot of his other work as well. I've just enjoyed the hell out of this guy. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, obviously Star Trek is the is is the big is the big one here. But yeah, he been there for so long, you know, like I, I grew up watching the original series uh, uh reruns in the 80s and he's just he's always been there and he's such a unique personality, such a unique performer. I don't want to say I met the man, you know, he was at, he was in town for a comic convention uh, as he, you know, he does the circuit. So I did have my picture taken with him, uh, three, four years ago. Oh, did he say a word to you? Yeah, no, he did. He was actually, he was very polite. Uh, he said hello in his Shatner voice, like raised eyebrows, like, hello, uh, which was really cool. We said hi. And, you know, we had our picture taken with him and, you know, he was he was looking a little old. You know, he's old, right? So he's, he was looking. Boy, man, you know, a guy's over eighty years old. He like, looks pretty spry for a guy. He, in he looks pretty good. So he would have been like seventy nine, eighty at this at this point. And uh, you know, we you know it was quick. He had our picture taken with him. And he get we we did not get to shake his hand or anything like that. And you know, we just had our picture taken. We walked away. We said thank you very much. He said you're you know, and he said yo thank you very much. He was very polite, professional. You know, like they're kind of churning things through like a like a production line there, but uh, it was it was very cool to stand right next to the man, be in his presence and say a couple words to him. You know, I know it's a business transaction in that in that respect, but it was a special moment. And yeah, he's he is like no other. You know, he's Canadian and it's uh, there's a bit of pride there. You know, he again, he's like no other. It's it, it, it's pretty great. I agree with that. I feel the same way. There's a lot of pride there because he is Canadian and. Really, I think through, aside from maybe some sport icons, you know, and political icons, really in the 60s and 70s, he really was partly the face of Canada. Like he represented Canada quite heavily throughout pop culture. 
Um, yeah. He did it well. And even when you forget Canada in this respect, when you think of even Hollywood, he wasn't like a leading man in Hollywood, like a Hollywood star, like a Robert Redford or someone like that. But he really was very prominent in the 60s and 70s, even in Hollywood. He was still who I would consider a leading man and even like a, an action man. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of films in, in that kind of genre, very well represented throughout those kind of genre films. He was, and he still had, you know, a very good career as an actor. I mean, say what you want about, say, T.J. Hooker, for example. It's a little goofy, but very successful TV show, very long run. Won an Emmy for Boston Legal, and that was a very long-running show, very prominent role there. So he won a couple of Emmys, actually. I, I believe he did, yeah. And and uh, so he was able to still sort of reinvent himself a couple of times. I mean, he's not he's not just Star Trek, even though that's obviously what he's well known for, but you know, recognized for for other roles. And uh, I think that you know, William Shatner is often a punchline. And I don't think that he hasn't earned that punchline, but you got to give the guy a, a lot of respect for having a very long, very prolific, successful career as an actor and as a personality. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's not much more you can say, you know, but I mean, I'm assuming it goes with you too. For any Star Trek fan, he was a young boy's idol yeah. growing up when you're that young. Yeah, totally. I'm right there with you. Totally agree. All right, so let's get into uh, the movie here. Just before I get into a plot summary, were you, even before I mentioned this, I mean, every time I mention a movie, you always laugh. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping I can actually keep that trend continuing. But but before I mentioned Kingdom of the Spiders, were you even semi-aware of the movie's existence? Nope, never heard of it. You had never heard of it? Never. So you laughed because it was William Shatner starring in a movie about spiders? Yeah, well, I mean, William Shatner... In a movie called Kingdom of the Spiders, if that doesn't make you laugh, you're not human. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I, I made you laugh. Hopefully yeah. you were somewhat amused through through this movie as you watched it for the first time. Yeah, I watched it when I was really young. Again, like as a young boy, I probably caught it sometime in the 80s when it came on TV. And I remembered very little of it. I remembered the one scene where I always laugh. I, or I laughed the first time and I laughed again or was l- at least amused again when he kind of turned around and had a stupid grin when he first met the lady. Yeah. Yeah. And he's drinking a beer. Oh, <laughs> yes. me, and, me, and, me and my sister just howled when we saw that for the first time. <laughs> and, and then the, I remember the ending. So okay. That was, so we'll get into that as well. I mean, the ending yep. was definitely something that was very different for something for someone so young. Like I was exposed to so many movies where, you know, I don't want to give it away, but you know, everything really works out well in most movies for the protagonists. Yeah. And in this movie, it's kind of gives you the impression that it doesn't, even though it's still somewhat open-ended. And I think that's one of the unique things about this movie. And one of the reasons why I chose it is because of the ending. So how about I just get into the uh, plot summary here? So welcome to Verde Valley, Arizona, a small town in the middle of the desert where everyone knows your name, Brother and sister-in-law relations are a little sketchy, and residents don't realize they have lots of space around them, despite being surrounded by open desert land. Dr. Robert the Rack Hansen, played by William Shatner, is a veterinarian and gets a call from a local farmer, Walter Colby, because his prized calf has suddenly become ill. The cow is brought to Hansen's lab, where it soon dies, but Hansen sends the calf's blood to a lab out of town for analysis. A few days later, Diane Ashley... Arachnologist arrives in town and tells Hansen that the calf was killed by a massive dose of spider venom. Hansen is skeptical, but focuses on his real task of bedding this creature who must be from Orion. 
Ashley convinces Hanson to revisit the Colby Ranch, and when they get there, the Colbys find their dog also dead. Dr. McCoy, I mean Ashley, magically performs a blood test on the dog and concludes that it has died of spider venom. Colby then mentions he found a large spider hill on his property, and when they go to investigate, they see it is covered with tarantulas. Ashley theorizes that the spiders are congregating in these large masses because of overuse of pesticides killing off their natural food supply, so in order to survive, they are grouping together to attack larger animals. Could humans be their next target? Will a good captain end up being a redshirt? They agree to burn the hill to kill the spiders, but as they do, spiders escape through the other end of the hill. Now it's personal. Colby is soon attacked and is struck by the spiders, the distraction causing him to die in a car accident. Hansen is then told by the sheriff that several more spider hills have been located around town. The mayor of the town, not surprisingly, is only interested in the county fair and orders harsh pesticide to be sprayed on the hills and surrounding countryside, despite Ashley's protest of this being the main cause of the problem. A crop duster is enlisted to spray the pesticide, but the spiders attack the pilot in the air, causing the plane to crash before the spray can be used. Many more spiders suddenly turn up, and they begin their attack on the town. Hansen's sister-in-law, who has the hots for Hansen, is killed by the spiders, but Hansen is able to save his niece. Hansen, his niece, and Ashley take refuge in the town's lodge with other residents, while others around town are shown to be killed by the spiders. The spiders then try to invade the lodge, but Hansen and company manage to find ways to keep them mostly outside. A few spiders manage to cut the power. They cut the power, man! And Hansen <laughs> manages to fix the fuse box, but then is attacked by a group of spiders. Hansen manages to survive the attack, and he along with a few survivors wake up the following morning, only to realize the lodge is encased in a spiderweb cocoon. The movie ends with a shot of the entire town cocooned as well. Maybe in a thousand years, they will be worth something. The end. So, Jeff, just based on that quick plot summary, first thoughts? First thoughts? Shit, I don't like spiders very much. And, yeah. (laughs) Some creepy shit. (laughs) Yeah, some creepy shit. But actually, you know, I mean, I'm not going to take too much credit for writing this because I got notes off the internet. But just from this, it sounds like a tight monster thriller. It does, actually, yeah. Yeah, it does yeah. sound very tight from that, you know, no superfluous bullshit about relationships and the, some family that needs to get out of the disaster zone or any of that garbage. Uh, very tight. Yeah. yeah, it sounds tight. And it actually sounds like with the proper director and probably the right dialogue and the right actors, this could be something that could be very good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see a movie like this get greenlit. So we'll talk about that as we get through the movie uh, scene by scene. So how about I hit you with some trivia? This movie was released in 1977 and released by Dimension Pictures, not to be confused with, with Dimension Films, and was directed by John Bud Cardos. <laughs> <laughs> Bud. Bud. So that's a name I've never heard before. I looked him up on the internet and he really hasn't done much since the 70s. He was more prolific in the 60s and he was pretty much known for B-horror flicks during this time. So this movie was kind of right up his alley, low budget horror. This movie made uh, was made on a modest budget at the time of about half a million dollars. And it actually raked in, in North America only, $17 million at the box office. So that's actually a pretty decent return. There's no dollar value uh, with respect to international market, even if it was, maybe it was never released internationally. Uh, I'm not sure. $17 million's, uh pretty good based on a half a million dollar budget. Film actually used 5,000 spiders, live spiders, even though they did use rubber spiders in several scenes as well. Due to the low budget, most of the music in the film was taken from stock music used on TV shows such as Twilight Zone and The Fugitive. This might surprise you. Hanson's sister-in-law in this movie is actually played by Shatner's wife at the time. 
Her name was Marcy Lafferty, and they divorced uh, at a later time after this movie. Walter Colby, the farmer, uh, he's played by a guy named Woody Strode. And he was actually one of the first NFLers who actually broke through the color barrier in the 40s. And the actress who played Colby's wife was actually Sammy Davis's Jr.'s real wife in real life. So that's kind of interesting. And this might be amusing for you is in the late 80s, Canon Films, who kind of had the rights to this picture at the time, was prepared to do a direct sequel to this movie, which should have starred Shatner and would have been directed by Shatner himself as well. Oh, Oh. how did this not happen? I know. As soon as that project got greenlit, Canon went bankrupt shortly after, so we never saw the gem getting made. So, yeah, I know. (laughs) Another movie directed by Shatner. Come on. Oh man, we could have had we could have had Kingdom of the Spiders two directed by directed by the man himself. Yes. (laughs) Why does the universe hate us so? (laughs) Brutal. I'm not even joking. That would have been unreal. I would have watched the shit out of that movie. Oh, I would have too. I'm not sure. Uh, I probably would have. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not saying it would have been good, but. That no, would bad Shatner, a bad Shatner direct uh, movie directed poorly by Shatner is still something worth watching. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> has he directed anything other than Star Trek V, The Final Frontier? I would assume that's his only feature. Maybe he directed some TV shows. I'm not sure. Or some small documentaries. But if I would guess, it's probably some fucking documentaries on horses. Guy seems to love horses. Probably one of the reasons why he wanted to do this film. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, he loves horses in real life, so. Maybe he did some kind of documentary on that. I'm not sure. That's a crime. All right. So let's get into Kingdom of the Spiders. So we open here with a country western opening. What would you think of that song? Peaceful Verde Valley. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it's a little corny. I actually really like the opening with like the the Red Sun of Krypton, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the music kind of coming. I actually kind of like that. Uh, Yeah, the music's a little goofy. It's a very redneck feel. Like I felt like I was watching an episode of Dukes of Hazard. That it had that kind of low budget country feel. I don't know about you. That that's what I felt like. It was felt like an episode of Dukes of Hazard to me. Uh, you know, and that, now, I mean, now that you say it, yes, I can. I can kind of understand uh, where you're coming from there. It definitely has a uh, a dust bowl kind of feel to it. Yeah, and then you get that classic kind of grindhouse type of large letters very gritty, very old school, that kind of fitting, I think, for a movie like this. And then you get all the names of it. And it was funny as I was watching it the first time here, it was, aside from Shatner, I knew nobody. And then I got a lot, before I was able to do research about who uh, Colby's wife was. I mean, as I mentioned, she was Sammy Davis's Jr.'s uh, wife. The name is Altrove's Davis. It was introducing Altrove's Davis. Yeah. At first I laughed because I said, you know, this person is really trying too hard to get a Hollywood name. You know, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so I wrote down as just a little side thing. If you had to make a Hollywood name for yourself, what would it be? I'm going to put you on the spot there. If I had to make a, a Hollywood name for myself, what yeah. would it be? Yeah. It would be, um, I think it would be G.V. Da- Van Damme. <laughs> G- no, G.W. Van Damme Jr. G.W. Van. Okay. That sounds good. What's yours? Oh, Shatko. Well, I'm like Cher. It's just oh, one. That's not a. That's not a real name, though. Like I had a real name. You gotta have a real. name. You're not McG. Okay, S to the co. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, that's why we're both total nobodies, obviously. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Hey, man, I'll take S to the core over, uh, what, fuck, Mick, Mick G? MCG? Yeah. Whatever the fuck that is. And his movies fucking suck. To exactly. Boot. So right off the bat, like, we're at the Colby's farm here. And first thing I notice here is, like, you know, black man, token black man's going to bite yep. it in the first scene. And, you know, I was wrong, but that's what I wrote down. I'm surprised he survived as long as he did. To be honest, exactly. the 70s for a black guy? I mean, good for him, man. Yeah, yeah, he made it pretty far in this movie. This is funny. So you get the lone shot of the cow, you know, being concerned, right? Like, and you get yeah. these close-ups of obviously what are going to be spiders. The camera's moving slow on the ground towards the cow. You see the cow starting to do some double takes. You get some close-up on the eye of them, and it was so funny. And it was like, the first thing I thought of was like, Bovine University. Bovine University. <laughs> it's like, trust me, Billy. If that cow got a chance, he would eat you too. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. I of feel bad for that cow, man. Because, like, as soon as I, because they have the sort of the spider POV shot there, and I'm like, oh man, this cow's fucked. But you I just see a close up of his eye when he yeah. closes it. It's like a fly got in there, and that was then they said, oh shit, let's just pause it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, well, keep going. We can. You we know, can... I just, I just wanted to say, I laughed so hard when I saw like it froze on his face because that's what reminded me of that Simpsons bit there yeah. with Troy McClure. So then we cut away here, and then we get a a scene with Shatner, and he's chasing down a cow. And this is actually Shatner. I was actually kind of yeah. impressed because again, his love for horses. He's not using a stunt double. He's riding it himself and going pretty fast. It looks like, and he actually managed to wrangle a cow with some rope. And this is must be where he gets his love for horses. That's what I wrote down. What do you think of seeing him? No stunt double. It's all Shatner. Because they even no. make, a, make it a point to go from a far shot, seeing how fast he's going, and they zoom in close on his face without yeah. a cut. I love it. I really love it when movies do this where they go in tight on the actor so that we can see it's that person doing the stunt. And we know that Shatner, you know, love you know, is a loves riding horses and that's that's not a surprise to us. But uh I love it when movies do this. And yeah, it was great seeing Shatner showing off his rad cowboy skills. Uh, it, it's great. I think it's great for, you know, we kid, right? Where we're, we're talking about Shatner doing his own stunts and shit. But I think that it's great when movies are able to do this, where the actors do certain stunts themselves and where we can put the camera in, we can see that it's that person. There's no CG, there's no wires they're doing the shit themselves and you know i know there are certain situations where you where you just can't do that where you need a stunt double but it's great you know i I 100 percent agree actually it's something even growing up when i was younger it was like i was always very aware that you know these aren't real what i'm watching isn't real so i wanted to kind of very closely pay attention who was doing what stunt yeah uh, in all the action movies so was it another guy? Was it a stunt double? And in many movies, especially now, you can completely tell because nobody had HD TVs with, you know, 60 to 80 inch screens at home and stuff like that, right? So yeah. watching it over and over again. So now you could go back and watch old movies and say, oh my God, 90% of the stunts performed by such and such guy was not even him. Yeah, totally. Yeah, good for Shatner here. Immediately after he hogties the, uh, the cow, that wasn't good enough for him. He chases down and hogties his sister-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even know it's his sister-in-law. And the funny thing is, is then he gets upset. He's doing his playful little flirtation with the sister-in-law. Uh, and yeah. then she likes it. And we find out later that she really wants to, she has a hots for him because her husband died, which is his brother. And he pushes her away. And that's classic Shatter. That reminded me of scenes in, in the original series, Star Trek, right there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can get into it later, but he's a little rough. Yes. He's a little rough with her. But I think it's a sign of the times as well. This is it, it, oh, definitely, yeah. This is a guy who came out of the 60s 
And that was very acceptable at that time. And this is, even though this is a late 70s movie, women's rights were still not there. So it was a little rough. He just kind of just pushed her to the ground well, because he was kind of disgusted that yeah. they were about to, uh, you know, get close or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, not acceptable, but I understand it from the times. From the times. And I mean, uh, it, we're talking about Shatner. It's not, it's not Shatner's fault. I mean, he's playing the scene and, and it fits with the film. And, the, you know, on the good side, it shows his conflict. But you know what? You know, knowing stuff about Shatner's history, like, I think he was a womanizer, at least when he was younger. Yeah. Um, sounds, he's, had, he's had a few wives. And I yeah. wonder if Shatner requests or signs on to movies that have scenes like this. I mean, maybe subconsciously, that's a possibility. You know, I don't think he seeks out roles like this or sought out roles like this. You know, the the movie is the movie. And... It's probably more of a subconscious thing, and I and, and I like I'm not blaming him. I'm not even blaming the film for it. It just it is an interest. It's almost like a museum piece. Like here's how dudes treated girls at that point, and it. But I mean, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh shit! Like this is you couldn't do it today, no. and nor should you want to. So Shatner is. Uh, we find out very quickly here. He's a veterinarian. And he gets called to Lando's farm to inspect the cow who got raped by those spiders. So they quickly cut away to Shatner inspecting the cow and they show him, I guess the cow's back at his lab or at his uh, doctor's office or something like that. And they show him taking a swab and they announce that the cow is dead. So I think it's just the way the film was edited because, I mean, <laughs> this is what I wrote, thought of Bovine University. It's like he takes a swab, looks at a Q-tip, and the next scene he says the cow's dead. Yeah. So, <laughs> Swab told you this? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. No shit. So later you find out he sends a swab for analysis. But I did get a, a chuckle at this scene here. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I wasn't able to do any research, but the farmer keeps asking if it's the black leg. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that st- stood for. I, I what was the black sure. leg? Do you, have you heard of the black leg? I have heard of the black plague. Not plague, yeah. leg. Didn't he say the black plague? He said leg. That's what I wanted to ask. I thought it was the black leg, and that's why I was laughing. Oh, no, I think it's a plague, dude. I think it's a plague. I don't know about that. It's just a southern accent. I'm going with black leg. So okay, black leg. No, I've never heard of the black leg. No, I never have. No. All right, so then we get like, and now this is now we start getting into some of the early problems with the movie here. After the scene, we start getting a couple of filler scenes with the farmer complaining about how life isn't fair for him. And then you get to a gas bar owner, and he's trying to sell tires to some guy. And... Are these like horror tropes? Like, are we, I'm getting the feeling here already. And I made some notes that we're getting introduced to the spider victims here. Yeah. So we even get introduced in a very unscary and low key way of seeing the first spider in tarantula. So, I mean, mm. you know, they're just kind of, Oh, we're in and around town. There's a spider here as a spider. There's not many of them. What did you think of these filler scenes? And is it a trope? In well, movies. yeah, it's hard to say if it's a trope or not because, you know, we haven't – obviously, we haven't hit the 80s when we sort of see the explosion of uh, these types of films. But I was thinking I actually liked sort of the slow burn of it. I mean, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just you and I as viewers and everybody as viewers, we're going in, we're watching a movie called The Kingdom of the Fucking Spiders. So when they see a spider – there's a bit of dramatic irony because you and I watching the movie like, fuck, there's this tar- – you're just, oh, that's nah, not a big deal. It's just a giant tarantula. Hey, whatever, fuck it. Whereas you and I know like obviously shit's going to go down with that. So I kind of appreciated you know that aspect where they don't 
see the terror that's coming. And you and I know that it's coming. I agree, but I think some of these, like, I think the tire scene here, I mean, you get some of these scenes, even in Jaws, like you see some of the townsfolk, people talk and stuff like that. And I think it's a trope because I definitely recognize scenes like this in slasher movies that will come in the late 70s and 80s. Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, you see all these people that really have no place to play in the story except get killed eventually, right? So you're just they're just getting words in. So it's like, oh, I remember this guy or something like that instead of yeah. just some random dude, right? So I guess you have to do these scenes, but I just felt that these particular ones, especially the gas bar owner who's trying to sell the tires to this other guy. I mean, I think that scene lasted for almost six to seven minutes. It was a long scene, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? That yeah. was terrible. I think some of these filler scenes could have been a bit more tighter. I really didn't like that. It was starting to take me out of the movie already. But let's move on. So now we get to what obviously will be Shatner's love interest roll into town. This is Diane Ashley, the arachnologist, and she rolls into her convertible and <laughs> obviously pulls right up to Shatner. And <laughs> I, I was really amused with this conversation because in the next minute, I quote the following three lines that she says to him. Will you fill me up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and when you check under the hood, make sure not to get any grease on my paint. (laughs) (laughs) Then, instead of this, the first one, the line she should have said, this is the final one, is there a quiet hotel around here? (laughs) 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 What do you think of that? These are obviously sexual innuendo jokes right thrown in there. I I loved it, actually, and I loved his fucking shit-eating grin through the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Shatner was just enjoying the whole thing, because I I put this down. Shatner write these lines himself, because he looked very amused. As soon as this all happened, you can see it in his eyes. He's like, I am hammering this chick later, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. He just assumed that she's going to (laughs) be occupying his bedsheets within the next two to seven hours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next we get a Mayor Vaughn scene from Jaws here. So the doctor, Shatner, is having a beer with the chief of police. And the mayor comes rolling in saying he can't quarantine the Colby farm because of that cow dying because the state fair is coming. And yeah. so the question I have here is this, is this literally the scene from Jaws? Is this them just trying to say it worked in Jaws? I'm using it here. Well, I think Jaws, this was 77. Okay. I think Jaws came out in 75. If that's the case, yeah, this is absolutely Jaws. And if it's not, it's the same mentality where, you know, we have to have pandemonium later. So we got we got the big fair. We got to have lots of people, you know, which we can talk about if that pays off or not later. But, yeah, it's exactly the same trope for sure. Yeah. And so what did you just in general, like so far, like seeing these scenes and these characters being introduced? Because now the immediate next scene here where Shatner's having a beer with the sheriff and the mayor comes in, then Diane Ashley comes up and realizes the guy, she's looking for Shatner. She yeah. didn't realize that she bumped the, the, the fill me up lines or with, with the, the character Hanson from before. So she finally gets to formally meet him. And this is the scene where he turns around and has that stupid grin that I, that mm. I love. One thing I really like here is it is a, it's a slow burn so far. It's certainly not, I mean, you get a movie, okay, it's called Kingdom of the Spiders. That's a very big title. Mm-hmm. And we're not treated to, you know, a big scene so far. It's, it's, yeah, it's a slow burn. Yeah. yeah, it's a slow burn. And I really appreciate that. Uh, I like it when the tension's being built slowly. We get to meet our characters. And, you know, there's a, there's a hint of danger from a couple different, you know, the, 
we got the hidden danger from the farmers. Uh, you know, their cow is uh, obviously. If we if we don't know the title of the film, we don't know what killed the cow. We haven't seen a spider, or we've seen like a spider at the gas station at this point. And we've just we just have hints to this point, and I like that. I think that's a a, a great approach. And you know, we get the doctor, the arachnologist here. That's an actual. I guess it's probably a thing. And she rolls in. And she's concerned, and, <laughs> and we get Shatner's nonchalant. My shit don't smell and and yeah, I think it's great, man. I think it I think it's working well. That's good. Yes, because I'm feeling the opposite way so far. Right now I'm finding all of these scenes really not inspired, even though when you're mentioning now it's a slow burn, it is a very formulaic trope in most horror movies that we remember going back to Halloween. It mm-hmm. feels like that as well, but you know, you don't sense any dread yet. But I think in on Carpenter's Halloween even early on. We did feel that. Here, I don't yet. Yeah. And that's good that you bring that up because it's pretty close to the time frame here with Carpenter's Halloween. A lot of the dread there, I mean, we were introduced to some bad shit right up front with Carpenter's Halloween, but the soundtrack with Halloween uh, helps to build that. And we don't, we don't have that piece here. As you said, it's just kind of stock music. So this, you know, it's kind of... And that's a, and I think with a horror movie, the soundtrack's really important, and that and that piece so far is is missing definitely. I think that that's a really good thing to pick up on. I didn't even make a note of that. Is that there really is no soundtrack here except for the jump scare, the you know whatever yeah. that jingle is, right? Yeah. So you know that's pretty much the only thing that they kind of use and repeat throughout the whole movie, and hey, there is nothing here for a soundtrack, and I think that's no. definitely one of the detriment to this film, major detriment. Yeah. The next scene, actually, I wanted to uh, talk to you about. I was actually quite surprised and pleased because Diane, Ashley, she goes after talking to uh, the chief of police and Shatner, she uh, goes back to her cabin and she goes into her room. She sees a spider like in her um, drawer, desk drawer in that hotel room. And, you know, not surprising because she's an arachnologist, but she was didn't even flinch. She just yeah. looked at it, you know, picked it up. And took it outside, and she was very calm and professional and strong. And this is the 70s we're talking about. There's not a lot of women who have strong roles here or or presented very strongly. So I thought this was actually quite interesting. And as we'll probably talk about as we go through the movie, she seems to be the only one who has any sense of reason throughout the town. Yeah, I actually made a note of that because they really subvert expectations there where she does not freak out. She fucking picks up the spot. She fucking pets the spider. Dude, yeah, like she's petting the spider, and yeah, like you say, she's totally chill about it. She lets it out. Uh, so I, I love that they did that. I thought that's very advanced for. I mean, yeah, she's the arachnologist, but still, I'm not petting a fucking spider. There's no goddamn way I would have screamed like an eight year old girl if I saw that shit in my drawer. No, nope. yeah, I hate spiders. Oh, I'm, I'm I, with you. I hate oh, spiders. I yeah. saw a tarantula. I'd run. I'm yeah, so. I'd run the fuck to the moon, dude. <laughs> like. Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, she was good with it. I really, really appreciated that. She's like, oh, hey, hey, buddy. Like it's a stray cat <laughs> that found its way into her hotel room, like pets it, opens the door. See you later. Yeah, that's great. I, and I think that helps. I think that helps the rest of the movie as it it helps the events that are that are going to come. Yeah, I agree. And we can continue that thread point here. But just another piece of trivia to throw in here is they went through many actresses to try and find this role. And obviously, many actresses had issues being around spiders. So this is one of the reasons why this actress in particular was chosen. 
Mm. uh, She was able to handle the spiders very calmly and professionally. But continuing on the strong female role here is then after a couple of more filler scenes of Shatner trying to woo her, he finally forces her to dinner, if you recall. Yeah. He picks her up and throws her in the car. (laughs) Uh, against her wishes but then they start having a a calm dinner and this is where she starts bringing up the theory of the pesticide like the ddt use is killing off the spider's main food source so now they're becoming more aggressive to larger animals and mammals so the question i have for you here is is one it continues that point that she is very smart intelligent woman but secondly is Kingdom of the Spiders the pioneer for Hollywood environmental propaganda? Is this social commentary here in a very low-budget B-horror movie? She keeps saying this like a few times through. I don't know if we're reading too much into it. What, what's your thoughts? I think the answer is yes. I don't think you're reading too much into it at all. I think there's obviously an environmental message here. You know, we're, we're fucking with the environment. We're fucking with Mother Nature. And now she's fucking with us back. And I think that's very much... The message here, and and I think that's brought up a few times. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I just wanted to make a note because we went over the scene. Can William Shatner play anything other than a professional womanizer? Right. Like when he like cuts her off and like he just picks her up, dumps her in the and like drives away with her. I mean, I think we call that kidnapping in <laughs> in the twenty first century. Uh, Casual sexual harassment. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it, we would label it that. Now, but as we talked about, I mean, that's something that I think many, many men do, and it was acceptable at the time, right? It's just a way of flirtation. Yeah. I mean, a lot of women back at that time were conditioned to accept it too. It's not an excuse. That's- I'm not saying them. Probably many women feared of that kind of treatment as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying many women at the time too must have been conditioned and allowed that to happen. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It, it, it's a form of conditioning both sides. Like men were conditioned to behave that way and women uh wrongly so were conditioned to accept that as the norm right mm-hmm. like wrong i just want to be clear to anybody who who may be listening this, to this wrongly conditioned to think that that was okay because it's oh yeah we're not it's we're, not we are it's, not supporting that kind of behavior no, not but at all. we no. can't ignore that that's part of our history absolutely right? yeah that is part of our history that's our true. social history so i mean yeah. it's not surprising to see something like that in movies and it's yeah. not just Kingdom of the Spiders. You know, this would be no. littered throughout most movies out of that area. And still, you would still see movies like that done today. Oh, absolutely. Where, where yeah. a yeah. boyfriend is aggressive and just picks a girl up and puts her in a car and drives off with her. I mean, yeah. it's not something that's unforeseen even today, even though no, this kind of behavior is unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd see it today and it's not cool. Yeah. No. So before we move on from this dinner scene, though, even though I liked the ideas that was brought up and those theories about the pesticide use and those environmental messages, I just want to talk about the dialogue. We can talk about it in general as what we've seen so far. I made a note here is that despite the topic, so far this movie, the dialogue is so dry and boring, and I'm not Mm. sensing, I mean, even though Shatner's probably personally having the time of his life, I really don't get a lot of sense of fun from Shatter at this point. What do you think? You know, that's interesting. I mean, there's not a lot of fun here, but, you know, like stripping away the, uh, you know, the sexual harassment stuff that we talked about. The scene with them having dinner together, I kind of liked it because it was because it was it was so subdued. Yeah. Yeah. it, It actually seemed like a like dinner conversation between two professional intellectual people who were, you know, they, they, who were kind of trying to get to know each other over this particular topic. It worked for me. I kind of like it. I actually enjoy 
dialogue scenes that are a little drier that feel like they're re- like they're real conversational pieces like you'd actually have with somebody that's fine but i think there's some pacing issues there's a lot this is not shatner pausing but there's a lot of pauses in between their talking and like you'll even get it later like remember the scene where they actually later go for a picnic yeah right with shatner's niece and yeah. not even saying anything she opens up a beer gives it to him pets pats him on the hand and they kind of like have one or two words together and the scene lingers for such well, a long time. And yeah. I felt that same thing happening here. And the same thing happening with Townsfolk. As I was talking about those other filler scenes, you'll get even more of that later, which we don't have to go into detail on. I just find that this movie has a lot of problems with the direction. And I don't know if it's the style of the time or what, but it's boring. I think it's partly a style, you know, the uh, a sign of the times for sure. And, you, know, you know, we're talking about a low-budget film here, so it's not like there's a lot of uh, money spent on, on anything, screenwriting, directing, or anything. But this is an editing problem as well. Uh, yeah. It, 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 well, it is. And, it, again, like the, the budget, it shows its budget in, in, in every respect, whether it's uh, editing or writing or whatever. It could be tighter because we are obviously talking about a, a horror thriller here. So, I don't know. Is it is it more our modern mentality where we – expect a tighter edited movie zippier dialogue no i don't think so because even in say other older movies i don't mind that a scene lingers as long as there's a purpose for it Mm. here i find that sometimes there's not even a purpose for some of these scenes to linger on so long it's like the actors are almost trying to remember their lines and then (laughs) they say it it's quite possible that's the case too but I'm thinking, because it's pretty consistent through the movie, that this is the style of the way it was shot and it wasn't edited properly. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I think, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's uh, I think it's deliberate. Whether that works or not is, I guess, is up for a debate for sure. It's Because this is the scene where, as well, he starts talking about his past a bit, right? With yeah, the, with his brother, yeah. yeah his brother in Vietnam. So I think they were trying to linger a little bit on some of those uh, scenes to hold on the emotional significance of some of that. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work entirely. I'll agree with you there, but I think, I think it was a choice. It it doesn't quite work, but I I can see what they're, where they're going with it because they're trying to establish his background uh, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's go, let's move on. So like, here's the next, the next few scenes here. So now we're, we're getting um, Hanson and uh, Ashley going back to the Colby farm because in their conversation, they agree that they need to get rid of the spiders and burn the spider hill at the farm. And as they uh, burn it, we see, uh, to no surprise, the spiders are escaping on the back of the farm. I don't know why. It's a, a fucking hill. I don't know why yeah. they didn't go around the yeah. hill. <laughs> Let's just burn one side. <laughs> Pretty shocking display of ignorance. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you. I'm not an expert, man, but I don't think that dirt is very flammable either. Like, no, well, think, the they, shit poured, fire. They, poured, they poured gasoline in there. So I've actually seen YouTube videos where they pour molten lava in an anthill. Okay. And stuff like that. And that, it just, well, it's horrible for the ants. It just, the steam and the heat gets all trapped inside and they just, they're just dead. It just goes everywhere because of all the pathways. So it's the same with the spiders, but... It's not molten lava. The fire isn't moving. So, I mean, I would assume it would just be the heat that would kill these things. Well, but the fire, I mean, the only thing I was thinking, and I don't know, we need to, you know, 
belabor the physics of this, but Mythbusters time, bitch. Mythbusters. Uh, that's what I think. Yeah, myth, Mythbusters time. But, but if you're gonna light a fire, it needs oxygen. Like lava doesn't need oxygen to be fucking hot as shit. Okay, right? but but even but fire under the, does need oxygen. But so even under the soil, in soil, and under the earth, and with these pathways, these little cavernous pathways that the spiders have uh, dug for themselves, there is oxygen in there. I'm not saying there isn't, but how far does the gasoline? I don't know. I want somebody to tell me that this is fucking physically possible, that you could fucking burn out the tarantulas by pouring gasoline. They just poured it on top. You don't see them like... I know, but that's that's the failure of the movie. I'm I'm going to let that go because they should have shown... A, a better filmmaker would have shown liquid being poured down certain holes and pathways and stuff like that, right? And... Covering the escape all in a three sixty degree, uh, you know, right. circumference well, they around did, the fucking right? hill, they, which they didn't. Which they, just, they didn't. Yeah. 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 So, but I'll let that go because it's it's a low budget movie. I just found it funny. Yeah. Right? Well, so, and the spiders they had already established that these tarantulas can burrow into the earth. So I'm already thinking like they're just going to dig their way out of this, and they and which they did. How did they not know that? They already said that they could do this. Yeah, they, I know. It, again, it's it's stupid. And yeah. but I mean, I guess. They couldn't do it smartly because then these particular spiders would have escaped. I mean, would have died. Instead, they needed to escape to continue yeah, the movie, yeah, right? So, I mean, that's just a trope itself, like the stupidity of characters in horror movies, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is prevalent here as well. So, yeah. And it will continue to be prevalent as the movie goes on. So, as we move on, I mean, Shatner takes, uh, you know, Ashley to his sister-in-law's so he could take his niece horseback riding with Ashley. And you get that stupid subplot about... His sister-in-law being wet for Shatner and all that stuff. So, But beyond that, the stupid picnic scenes and all that stuff where the spiders almost get to the knees and in a very uncomfortable camera shot of yes. uh, underneath the clothes of the niece there. Uh, what the fuck was that about? But let's just skip that one. You know you'd what I'm talking ar- about. You'd be right? arrested today for doing that shot. But yeah, let's move on. Yeah. So so now finally gets slightly more interesting is the spiders finally um, kill Colby in the car. It's not scary. It's more funny. So I really, you know, I really didn't get a good scare out of this. But the police and Shatner find the body and he kind of looks cocooned by the spiders. Yeah. And so far, I found that really interesting about the movie is that we learn. And here we also learn the spider's venom is five times more powerful than normal. Maybe mutant spiders being affected by the DDT. But what did you think of these scenes here with Colby getting killed, finding out he's cocooned, and the fact that the spider's venom has five times more potency than normal here. Okay, so I took the same thing that uh, that you mentioned there. So we were getting the hint that these spiders are not, you know, normal, right? So their venom is uh, five times stronger than what they expected. And that this may be a result of environmental issues. So they, you know, they go back to the DDT issue where I think she says that, you know, they just, the bigger ones just become immune to it after a while. So I think that's what we're being led to believe here. So this is the the continuation of the envir- of the environmental message here, which I thought was interesting for the seventies. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. environmental issues are uh, very front and center. You know, now nowadays as we were as we record this episode. So I thought it was interesting for them to you know to, to look back to the seventies and think like there was a concern then. I don't know. The cocooning didn't didn't it made sense to me. I mean, that's what spiders do with their prey, right? They they kind of wrap them up so they can't, you know, and then you know, 
to eat pres- them later, I guess, right? Well, kind of they, they preserve their prey so that they can feed continuously on them. So yeah. it kind of made sense to me at that point. I mean, it's fucking horrifying. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it actually looked pretty good considering yeah, the low it budget. It did. Yeah, uh, it did. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me the way his head quickly popped out because it's like, I think the sheriff or, or Shatner's character himself kind of jiggled the car and then the head popped out. Yeah. And that reminded me exactly of when Hooper kind of found the head in the boat. Yeah. Right? He jiggled yeah. it and the head pops out. Yeah. Right? And you get the that horror scream and you got something here. It didn't linger as long as it did in Jaws. And then leading from there, we get another Jaws, you know, related scene here where the mayor is just fed up with all this crap. And he just says, fuck this shit. I'm not listening to the experts. I'm just going to use pesticide. And he hires the uh, uh, crop duster to go yeah. spray everything. You know, it's like I was just waiting for amity, as you know, means friendship line. So, yeah. again, going back, this has to be a copy. Th- yeah, this think- is directly from Jaws. I think you're right, man. That being said, I mean, it's fucking Jaws. How can you not use this as inspiration? I mean, I don't have a problem with that because filmmakers – Good filmmakers use good films as inspiration. And I'm not, I'm not saying this that uh, – what's this guy's name? Bud? Yeah, Bud. Uh, I'm not saying he's a good filmmaker, but shit, why not rip off Jaws if you're making a spider horror movie? You know? Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I hear you. I th- he's not doing I, anything original. His name's Bud. He's not doing yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, and that's probably the truth, right? But for a more creative writer and director would say, I can get inspiration from Jaws and – Make it still slightly different. Yeah, right? that, that's true. Yeah, you could you could uh, you could use it as a jumping off point, and then and then you know like iterate on that and yeah. and do something interesting and different. Yeah, but you know he he did not. He did not. No. So now we get. Let's move on to what I think is one of the funnier scenes of the movie so far is when you, the pilot starts uh, gets airborne to spray the DDT around all the spider hills. And he gets attacked mid-flight. Now, we actually get some actually good aerial shots of him flying before he gets attacked, as well as when he gets attacked. Uh, I mean, these are all real shots, uh, obviously, probably with a stunt pilot. But I was laughing because his death screams sounded like Ned Flanders finding you know, he killed a plant. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, totally true. Yeah, very high-pitched, a girly scream. Oh, my God. Were you laughing? I was laughing, and I'm like... My pitch would have been even higher if I was that dude in that plane. Those tarantulas in an airplane, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You are so fucked in that situation. Oh, yeah, you're done. You're in trouble, right? Especially if you're that scared of these things. But what I actually wanted to mention here is I really love the shot when the plane crashed into the barn. Yeah. Or or that shop or whatever it was. Because that looked real. I don't know how they could cut away. It looked like an actual plane crashed into the barn. Yeah, that's a And the main characters, like Shatner... And the lady, they were right there. Yeah, very impressive. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I mean, I was expecting it, the plane to crash spectacularly into something. And, you know, when, you know, it happened, I'm like, you know, if they did that today, it'd all, it'd be CG and they'd totally overdo it. But they had to do all all of that practically back in the 70s. That was great, man. I mean, that was fantastic. Yeah, like it might have been a camera trick where, because they were filming on the side, the plane was coming in so fast, it still landed on the side of this building, but then an explosion came from they, inside. I think they, yeah, they probably had like a mock-up of the plane on like a on like a cable or something, and then they just like it rode down the cable into the barn, and then, you know, everything exploded. That's it's probably something, like, you know, like that. 
Could be. I mean, that was impressive. But that's great. I mean, it yeah. looks it looked really good. Yeah, that was my probably my favorite scene in the movie so far. Yeah. So now the attack after this scene, and everyone's freaked out and saying, "Oh shit, we're we're in trouble now." And now the attack is on. Like spiders are coming. Yeah, you know, out of the woodwork, uh, hundreds and thousands of them. So you see the Colby wife. <laughs> it's such a stupid scene, and this is like a horror trope now. So I've seen a lot of bad horror movies. Like she actually, she can't run away. She's being backed up by the spiders in her own room. She's got a gun. She's trying to shoot him. Yeah. She gets on her hand and she shoots off her hand. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That was terrible. That was, I hated that because I hate horror movies. I've seen so many horror movies where they do shit like that. Yeah. You can't be more creative than that. So obviously she, you know, she's dead and you see the attack at her, uh, Hanson's sister-in-law's house and sister-in-law saves the niece and she gets killed and. Shatner's comes just in time to save the niece. Uh, but it, it, I did like this scene in particular because now you finally get some classic Shatner. Because yeah. the way he starts swiping and his body movement and how he steps around the spiders, this felt like Captain Kirk. This is what I I remember Shatner. Yeah. I finally got some classic Shatner. So, <laughs> anyways, what do you think of these scenes? Because actually there's a lot of spiders being used attacking in these scenes. Your thoughts? Okay. It's hard to watch this many tarantulas on a screen at the same time. I mean, I don't think they had any regard for the welfare of these spiders because I think I saw a couple explode as the sheriff's car came in. That might have been a little bit later, but... Um, yeah, I was going to mention it very shortly. PETA must not have been around at this time because I'm yeah. pretty sure there are many scenes where they've actually killed a lot of these spiders. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there were, uh, there were a few. And as much as I don't like... The eight-legged life form, I didn't feel good about that, which is an odd, conflicting feeling for myself there. But yeah, you know what? It it was interesting that they resolved the love triangle. Like they just, they killed the girl, they killed the sister-in-law off. And that was a big purpose for that, for this character. It's like, I'm going to, you know, my brother died in Nam. I'm going to take care of his wife and daughter. And he couldn't protect her. He can protect his, uh, his brother's wife. But who, they really don't go anywhere with it, though. It, uh, they don't. It's, they all, don't it's all surface, yeah, broad it, strokes. I mean, he, like, mentions one line afterwards back at the lodge, like, if I was got there five minutes earlier. Yeah. But that's it. That is it. Yeah. They don't go anywhere with it. And it's it's like they had really good ideas for things that would create interesting, dramatic conflicts and... Uh, and then they don't go anywhere with it, which is which is unfortunate. But yeah, at the end of the day, there's a lot of fucking spiders on the camera here. And that's just, that's really fucking scary and good for the actors for getting through that shit, man. Yeah. Props to the people who had to lie down and have these spiders over there. Yeah. As we said, some of them were rubber, but many of them were seen moving. Some of them yep. were really, really there. But question I have for you. Now, this is a very difficult movie to have spiders really do something you want them to do. It's just a bunch of spiders. Do you find yeah. it entertaining? I know you're a little uneased because you don't like spiders. So it's kind of creepy. Yeah. But they're really not doing anything. Okay, good so, question. Yeah, so good. does this impact the effectiveness of this movie, considering the constraints they would have at the time? It did a little bit because as I watched the film, I found myself less and less unnerved and uh, i mean i was never really frightened by them because you know I i'm okay with uh, you know on screen uh, i was less unnerved because i realized that these tarantulas 
they're big and they're hairy and they're very prominent, but they don't move very quickly because mm-hmm. they're so big. I'm more scared of spy of spiders, like smaller spiders, and they move fast. Mm-hmm. And that just that freaks me out a little bit more, right? So the more I see these tarantulas and they they don't do a whole lot, right? Like they're using real spiders, which is which is good like good for them, right? Well, they have to, but they don't they don't move quickly. Uh, they don't behave. They don't behave in a in a frightening manner. It's more of a volume consideration, right? Yeah. yeah so exactly. I'm not as scared at this point. We've seen lots of tarantulas. She can pick one up. She can pet it. It doesn't do anything. Even you see a whole bunch in the same in the frame at the same time, and they don't do a whole lot. No, you know? and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Right? Just kind of hang. They just kind of hang. Yeah. No, exactly. And that, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this topic up is they are in a very difficult place because at this time with that kind of budget, what are you going to do? Yeah. You make a movie about Kingdom of the Spiders. You need a lot of spiders. So you got a lot of spiders. And obviously, they're not going to take direction. So, and, yeah. you know, they're probably many, I would assume many, I'm just going to make a guess that many of these spiders were probably defanged spiders. Well, either that or they were not actually poisonous in the first or, place. Or poisonous in the first place. And what are you going to do with them, right? Yeah. You're going to place them on somebody's body and that's the end of it. The unfortunate aspect of when you get a creature feature, the creature's got to be doing, be able to do something interesting, mm. right? Beyond being initially scary, it's got to do something. Yeah, either that or you don't get to, you don't see it. Or you don't see it, which we've talked about before. You have a slow build up to seeing it, but we're not dealing with one spider here. Yeah. So I don't know what you could do. Maybe, you know, I think later you, we'll, we'll talk about it. You get some scenes of, you know, these things falling on people because they're on the ceilings or above people and stuff like that. But aside from that, I mean, it's a failure of the movie, but it's also a failure of the concept because what more can these things do? Yeah. That's just something I thought was thought to be interesting to talk about. So let's move on. So after uh, Hansen rescues his niece, they run back and get holed up uh, at a lodge, and you see a lot more spiders outside. And then you get to finally you see the rest of the townsfolks in around town, and you see the spiders starting to kill everybody and cocooning many people and stuff like that. There's a lot of chaos and panic, and I did like the one scene where the sheriff actually gets so many people are surrounding his car and then there's a car accident and it yeah. tips over a water cooler and he gets crushed. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually pretty, pretty neat. I, I, I liked that scene. what do you think of all this chaos and the way it was filmed and the urgency and how effective these scenes were? I, I mean, I think that it works because it's the human panic that causes the disaster, right? It's yeah. not, I mean, yeah, obviously this, you know, the, the spiders are, are an issue, but uh, it's the people freaking out that really caused the disaster. So I think that works really well for me. You know, as we've talked about just previously, where the spiders themselves, uh, because they're using real spiders, they don't, you know, it's hard to create the sense of urgency when you're filming them. But when you can film the human reaction to it, that's very believable because people are going to freak the fuck out when you've got. You know, tarantulas everywhere and people getting cocooned in spider webs. Hmm. That hits home because I, I would have, I would freak out as well if, if that was me. So, uh, yeah, this, this works. Uh, I think this works fairly well, you know, in, in that context. The one thing that I did like, and I think this is kind of the intention of the genre, like the trope of the genre, 
here with these kind of serial creature feature serials or disaster serials is that you get that throwback of the mass panic. Yeah. People not acting sensibly. And then it just creates more problems, right? Like if you think of some of these old school horror movies, uh, you, you kind of get that that visualization of people just, you know, having their hands over their head and their hairs all frayed and they're just going crazy, running away from things. Uh, yeah. Like, like, you know, spiders or other creatures or monsters or aliens or any of these kind of genre films that were from this time. This is what you get. Yeah. And I think it lived up to that trope, whether it was on purpose or not. So I get that. But still, even though besides it was a couple of cool shots, it really didn't do too much for me. And then obviously people aren't going to be sensible here because as I said before, you got a open landscape here. Run in any direction, you'll get away from these things. But no, they all run towards the center of the street. <laughs> yeah. Surround the car, stand still, and more spiders get you, right? So it doesn't yeah. make any yeah. sense. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So going back to the lodge, now they're Shatner and company, and there's a few other residents in that lodge, and as well as the owner, who have no names, I believe. They're just trying to board up the place. And uh, you, you see one cool scene where the spiders are coming through a kitchen vent. And mm-hmm. I really, I like that scene. It was kind of creepy, but I laughed out loud so hard when Shatner was touching a hot pot that had used to have boiling water in it, and he couldn't yeah. hold on to it anymore. And he had this weird look on his face, like he burned himself and he bumbled yeah. it. And just yeah. pushed it away. Oh, man. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. I was genuinely laughing. I loved I, it. I believe that, that. I actually was like, they put a hot pot there and didn't tell him. <laughs> I would have. I yeah. would do that to an actor. That'd yeah. be great. Just, it's, grab, it's fine. Just grab that. Pretend it's hot and it's actually fucking hot. Yeah. So now we get to the scene where the spiders actually are trying to come down the fire escape and they cut the power, you know, the fuse box because they're crawling all over it and stuff like that. So what do you think of all of these scenes where the group is trapped in a lodge? Anything effective here? Did you like anything? Did you not like anything? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, like we talked about the hot boiling water pot there. That was kind of cool. The, the spiders are coming in through the vent. I think there's some solid tension here. And yeah, this this worked. I mean, I was... I was in that I was in that room with them. I'm like, oh fuck, you know, there's there's some there's spiders out there, and they're they're trying to get in. It, th- I think this was well. I think this was fairly well put together. You know, they're they're trying to barricade the place up. I mean, yeah, this worked. I was I was I was tense. I would say tense because again, now we're going back to the problem is, is you're so used to the spiders. Yeah, it's not scary anymore. I think if it was a slow build of the spiders, I think this would have been... People would be very uncomfortable during these scenes. I wasn't uncomfortable. I think that there was some minor level of tension because of just the setup. Oh, they're coming through a vent. Oh, they're coming down the fireplace and stuff like that. Oh, they're in the basement. Uh, They're coming through a window and stuff like that. These were good scenes, but the tension is gone because you're so used to them. That's, That's kind of what I think, and that's the way I felt. I wasn't at all scared or uncomfortable at this point in time but at, at this point for me though it's a it's a question of volume like yeah they're we're used to them and they don't move that quickly but when there's that many of them i mean like when when shatner goes down to the basement because the because the spiders managed to short out the power uh when he goes downstairs and they're just fucking everywhere they don't move quickly, but there's so many of them. Yeah, they're all watching him, kind of. Yeah. Uh, this was a tough one for me. I, I, I mean, this was tough to watch. I, I felt, I even thought 
I don't know how many rubber ones they use and how many real ones they use, but I believe Shatner's performance in that scene because I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> Is that before or after they fall on him? No, well, well, both. Like, no, man. After it was gold, Jerry, gold. Was <laughs> yeah. that after he gets the fuse working again? The lights turn on. All these spiders crash on him from above. Yeah, and he's covered in spiders. And he just has this, he keeps his arm, he's like, does this like monkey pose, but he doesn't move the arms. Yeah, yeah, He just yeah. kind of walks like, you know, Frankenstein's monster in a monkey pose, and he has this weird, grotesque expression on his face. <laughs> How did he survive this uh, particular encounter? Because it, it looked like, or he was acting like he was getting bit. Yeah, I chest. think so. I think he was acting like he was getting bit, and then he does climb up the stairs, and he only has one on him. I think he had like about a dozen on him. Yeah. And then he only has one on him, so I don't know what happened there because they don't show him getting get, getting off because he was slowly going up the stairs. Can't and, kill him. Can't kill him. Uh, it's the shot. So you do see he got bit in the face. Yeah. And that's then they cut away, and then it's the next morning. So right. now we get the ending scenes of the movie here, which I personally really enjoy. Because I think it's a little different than what most movies in this kind of genre or even during this time would show. As I mentioned in the plot summary, everybody survives the night. They get up. Well, it looks like the spiders have kind of retreated. And they don't hear anything on the radio. They peer through the window or Shatner at least peers through the window. And he just says, my God. And then everyone peeks outside and the lodge is completely cocooned. Yeah. Ready to just preserve, ready for another time. And then we get a peek back through the whole town like the audience does. It's actually a pretty cool map painting shot mm. of the entire town cocooned. And yep. that's where the movie ends. Yep. So what did you think of this ending? I mean, I like the ending, man. I mean, it's kind of a classic in a way. I mean, it's it's very, it's sort of a, a Twilight Zone style sci-fi ending where, you know, where the protagonist has done everything and you think they're good. And then now you know, nope, you fucked. Like everything's fucked. I like the buildup to it where he... You know, they survive the night, like you said. Looks like the spiders have retreated. Uh, they pull the boards off. He looks out. At first, like there's the rays of sunlight in after he pulls the boards off. And, he, and the expression on his face after is like, it's almost hopeful. Mm. And then it's, and then as as it pulls out away, like you say, like the, the matte painting of the, basically the entire town cocooned. I love that reversal. Like they kind of build it up. Like everything's okay. Yep, everything is okay. And then nope, you're done. You're you're fucked. I I really like that. But being a Twilight Zone style ending, the only problem there is you end the story when there's more interesting shit that could happen. You know. You know what I mean. And that's why when you're telling me that there could have been a sequel, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. That's a real shame because. It only ends because it ends uh, deliberately on the twist, Twilight Zone ending, where, oh, nope, everybody's fucked, and see ya, see ya later, roll credits. But now that you mention this Twilight Zone ending, is this is now, like, again, we're talking about a pioneering type movie. I can't remember a lot of creature features, or I haven't watched a lot of these horror Twilighty Zone movies from the time. Maybe many of them ended with these kind of twists at the end, but this is something we really didn't see a lot of in the 90s, 80s and 90s, and until we got to Shyamalan, where he kind of had that twist at the end. Things are going to be okay, but it's not okay. Or something you thought something was okay, and then it turned out to be something else. 
this is one of those things. This is an early movie that adopts that kind of strategy. And I actually loved it. I love the way this movie ended because it is such an effective ending to a movie that, in my opinion, was not very good up to this point. Up to maybe the last 10 minutes of the movie, I was not having a good time. Mm. So that's that's just how I am. What are your thoughts generally overall? Well, I'm mixed because we've done movies on the podcast before. The Quiet Earth kind of comes to mind where the ending happens and it suggests more story. Mm -hmm. It's here. And on the one hand, that's great because, you know, it gets your imagination going again. And, And I appreciate that. And I'm kind of torn because I I, man, I love the feeling that it get, I actually enjoyed the ending. I was like, yeah, that's really cool. And that's a, it's a ballsy thing to do. On the other hand, we also don't get any resolution, which means that there's more story to tell. And if there's more story to tell, why didn't the movie tell me more story instead of, you know, casual sexual harassment in the workplace? <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to respect the, the time frame as well, but that's why I say I'm kind of mixed on it. The M. Night Shyamalan endings, in some cases, you know, work great for me, but I don't know. This is a tough one. I, I think it was ballsy, and I'm, I think it works, but I don't know. We're, we're still talking about it 30, 40 years later, so. Well, I think we would be the only ones talking. Yeah, we're at Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> So considering the time this movie has been made, I love it. I love it for the ballsy, ballsy ending. I've seen many movies from the 70s, and I don't recall seeing a lot of movies end with this kind of twist. It doesn't work out for the protagonist. Yeah. Very interesting. Bravo to the director and the writers for getting it to be this way. So Jeff, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into our final thoughts here on... uh, Kingdom of the Spiders, anything that you really appreciated through this movie? Things that stood out for you, things that did not work for you? Well, I mean, I will say that uh, I did appreciate the slow burn aspect of the film. They put effort into working with the characters, even with the casual sexual harassment. You know, the female characters, the the doctor, uh, uh, the arachnologist, I don't remember her name, but you know, fairly progressive character. You know, she wasn't just swooning over Shatner's shit. And and she was an active protagonist. You know, she wasn't a damsel in distress, uh, which is, uh, which I appreciated, you know, for the, especially for a movie from the 70s. They used a lot, a lot of live tarantulas. You watch movies, and it's all, that'd all be CG today. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's, that's kind of cool to see practical effects. So I, I can appreciate that. I thought they did a pretty good job with the atmosphere and, you know, the environment. Again, the environmental message, well, maybe underexplored, was still very, you know, fairly progressive. Very uh, surprising. Very surprising for a movie of this type, for sure. I agree. I think the things that I really took away from this movie, and you mentioned two of them, is the progressiveness of the female lead. Very surprising to see, especially when you're opposite is William Shatner. Yeah. So, you know, bravo to the filmmakers. I mean, even, I guess, bravo to Shatner for allowing it to happen. Because, you know, I I would think he would have some say in the script because he was a bankable star at the time. And bravo for the, you know, know, very subdued, but still it was there, uh, the environmental message. And, you know, it's bringing some subtext to the movie here. And I think that was a good move. 
you know, not only to kind of provide a little bit of social commentary, but also to give a reason why the spiders are this way. Mm. Right. So it, it made some sense. There was some reason. It wasn't just, oh, here's a bunch of fucking spiders. It's like, what's going on? The spider's venom is more powerful. Why? Why are they attacking a larger prey? Here's why. Makes sense, even though it's still fiction and not very real. But, you know, you never know in the future, they, you know, mutations and environmental stresses can change species. It is quite possible or foreseeable. So I can buy it for this movie in this type of genre. So I did enjoy those two aspects as you did. And I loved the last 10 minutes of them being held up in the lodge. Finally get a really good moment with classic Shatner. And I love the ending. It's just one of those endings that that's the one little nugget that I had in the back of my brain saying, this ending is the reason why I'm picking this movie to Mm. see if you enjoyed it. Because I thought it was different than other horror movies that are out there. thought it was quite interesting. Jeff, do you recommend Kingdom of the Spiders? Uh, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to recommend it. It's not a strong recommendation like, you know, you don't need to George Costanza your way through women and children to get to this movie, but it's not conventional. Uh, it's very progressive, especially considering when it was made. Yeah, is it a rare antiquity? Ah, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Ah, I don't know if it qualifies as a rare antiquity or not. I'm going to go with it's a, it's a moderate recommendation, but it's sort of a junior rare antiquity. Like it's not quite, it's not quite there, but it has, it has some of the building blocks of a rare antiquity, but doesn't quite, doesn't quite attain that status. Yeah, I would agree. There's some nuggets there that kind of almost make it get to that status of a rare antiquity. The ending really helped. Progressiveness, as we talked about, really helped. But the rest of the movie, in my opinion, is a stinker. I am not giving this movie a recommendation. <laughs> I was so very disappointed re-watching this film. I had much fonder memories of it when I was a child. Unfortunately, I found that the bulk of this movie, because as I said before, this movie was about an hour and a half long. And an hour and five minutes, nothing happened. Really. And I didn't enjoy anything for an hour and five minutes. So... And then I still had problems even in the second half. So despite the fact that it had a good female lead, despite the fact that there was a small subtext message there about the environment and considering the time, and despite that there was a large number of tarantulas and has a great ending, I really can't give this movie a recommendation. What really also uh, made me very disappointed was I felt that Shatner himself didn't have a lot of fun in this movie. It's not that I'm asking Shatner to be Captain Kirk or, you know, be overdramatic but I was expecting him to provide something more than he did here. He seemed to really only have that stupid smirk flirting with the girl. And that was it. And I didn't get anything else from his character. Very disappointing. I also mm-hmm. found that the pacing and the editing was a major problem. The low budget didn't help. There wasn't really any real special shots done here. It was kind of just point and shoot. You know, I'm going to put my camera here and let's just film it quickly and I'm done. The lack of score did not help as we talked about. Considering all of these facts here, I cannot recommend this film. It's a very disappointing experience to rewatch this again, even though there's a couple of nuggets that could have gotten it to a rare antiquity, true cult classic status, but I really don't think it's close to that point there. So yeah. no recommendation from me. And you know what? Honestly, I am, I'm, I, it's it's not a rare antiquity. I, I'm surprised that it didn't hit 
a few more notes for you. That is interesting to me. Yeah, well, I'm trying to, you know, this is a movie where I think I'd enjoy if I was just shit-faced drunk. (laughs) Even if I was shit-faced drunk, I'd still think I'd be complaining about this movie. Because there's just not enough to enjoy. You know what I mean? Like, there's not enough bad that it's good. And there's not enough good stuff there where it's fun or enjoyable. Conversations are dull. The pacing is dull. Even though there's a few good scenes in it, I'm not really getting anything from it. And I realize the limitations that they had. I agree. I'm shocked that I had this thing too. I figured I'd be saying this is a rare antiquity from my memories, but I don't think so. It is a shame. I mean, there is, there's a ton of wasted potential. It almost makes me angry. I don't want to say angry. Angry is not the right word, but. No, go be angry. Well, fuck. (laughs) God damn. Shatner, what? Spiders. When. (laughs) Diddly, diddly. (laughs) Zip, zip, zip. But when you have a movie that like it's one thing we have a bad movie that has zero potential to be good anyway like who gives a shit but it's when a movie has such potential and doesn't quite get there that's it's very frustrating yeah i mean it's called kingdom of the fucking spiders so you know it's it's got a ceiling on how good it was gonna be but there was potential here and it, it is a shame that they couldn't elevate just a little bit more yeah and as i said before this is one of the reasons why you know we do these plot summaries to begin with i think it's good to start like that because i felt that that the plot summary just on a general level that's a tight movie for a genre like this it could be really good if you get the right filmmaker to make this work yeah and they didn't anyways jeff that does it for today's show care to tell us what's uh next on our plate here yeah well it's a very special time we are at our one year anniversary so today is the day actually Today, today is the day. Yeah, the uh, so I guess this is the season finale, season one finale. Yes, the rare antiquities, and for the uh, season premiere, I guess of next uh, next season, we're gonna stick with the anniversary theme. This is the fiftieth anniversary of Star Trek, and as that is a uh, obvious influence, I don't know if anybody picked up on that. For us, we're gonna talk all things Trek on our next episode. Everything will be game. It should be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, more Shatner. More Shatner, yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong. And more Avery Brooks, too. Uh, oh. uh, possibly. So The other half of uh, the other half of my spirit animal. Yeah, the other half of your spirit animal. So, <laughs> we, we might need a, a separate four-hour special edition episode of that. But, yeah, all things track on our anniversary uh, episode. Should be fun. Uh, yeah, that and that'll, I guess that, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. Well, it's been a pleasure, Jeff. Hopefully it won't be too long before we record the next one. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for putting on the show, man. No worries. Take it easy. Happy day. <laughs>